Hello, everyone, and welcome to my podcast, Body Justice. I started this podcast because I believe that all bodies are good bodies. All bodies are deserving, worthy, and all bodies are whole, just as they are. In today's world, it's ever hard to embody this as our truth. My mission is to create a space to process body image, eating disorders, and relationships through a justice-oriented lens. I'm a licensed therapist in California and an eating disorder survivor myself. I know what it's like to be at war with myself and also to find peace again. Thank you for being here and I look forward to being your host. Hey everyone, welcome back to Body Justice. I have something on my mind I really want to share with you all today. Something that I've talked about on Instagram before, but haven't brought it up so much on the podcast. So I want to talk about one overarching kind of theme of recovery that I see come up over and over. It's definitely true to my experience, and I would say it's true for all of my clients. Um, And that topic is reparenting. And I want to dive into what reparenting is and, you know, how we can do it for ourselves and how it's related to recovery. So eating disorder recovery, you know, as we know, it is about the food and it's not about the food, right? And in my work with eating disorder clients um, and in my own recovery journey, I really feel that recovery is one big process of learning how to really reparent and take care of ourselves. A lot of us, you know, have a history of attending to others' needs really great, right? Like in a really great loving way. A lot of us tend to be helpers. We tend to be kind of the the one in the family that makes sure everything stays intact or um, just to make sure that things run as smoothly. And, and that can be for survival reasons, maybe growing up in an emotionally or physically abusive household. We learn to kind of minimize our own needs. Um, but even if it wasn't emotionally or physically abusive, um, there's still this hypersensitivity a lot of us have to family dynamics and kind of the fear of loss and the fear of change within the family system. So that we learn, you know, how to attend to others' needs and and minimize our own needs in the process. Maybe some of us had parents that really didn't know how to parent, for lack of better terminology, and we became their caretakers, you know, or maybe they got physically ill, um, and maybe they just couldn't be the parent we needed. Um, either way, I notice a common theme in a lot of my clients is this hyper responsibility that we carry towards others. We think that, you know, a lot of us feel like we have to minimize any potential harm or threat that may come to our loved ones. Um, And if something bad happens to them, that it's our fault. Um, And so then we do everything we can to keep everything functioning smoothly and to minimize any threat to ourselves or others in our family system, we end up just overcompensating and taking care of everyone else but ourselves. Um, And so over time, this really kind of 
teaches ourselves that our needs are not so important and that we can kind of dissociate from our needs, right? Like we can kind of dissociate from what our body is saying and asking in order to take care of others. Um, And this isn't like a conscious process, right? It's not like we woke up one day and decided this is what we were going to do. It's, this is shaped and molded, right? And a lot of it can come from the family system. A lot of it can even come from the culture, you know, as women identifying people, we are socialized to take care of others. Or if you're a person of color or other minority, you know, we learn to cater to others' needs instead of our own because it's just not safe. So there's a lot of reasons why we get kind of taken away from our own ability to take care of ourselves. And those are some of them. Um, But recovery is really learning how to turn that really compassionate, wise part of ourselves that is our inner parent towards our towards ourselves. So it's really about coming into our wisest self, which we all have access to. It's that part of us that knows exactly how to caretake for others and exactly how to be compassionate and kind to others, but turning it towards ourselves. So this wise part of us it's there. It's it's just buried in terms of in terms of attending towards ourselves. So in recovery I talk about so much with my clients about how to practice directing this wise, compassionate part of ourselves to ourselves over and over. And food is one way that is often kind of <clears throat> you know, the surface level thing we do in recovery to to nourish ourselves adequately to learn how to take care of our bodies in ways that do not harm us. And I apologize, it's not surface level, but I guess it's kind of more like a metaphor for other things too, right? Food's kind of the tip of the iceberg. It's a big piece of recovery, don't get me wrong. However, it is like a metaphor for all the other ways we learn to take care of ourselves. Um, Spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically, Um, and we, again, like food is the starting point. And then we learn everything that kind of comes with that. We can't really take care of the other parts of ourselves if we're not nourished properly. So definitely that's the first step. Um, but one way, you know, I guess one roadblock I see a lot is a lot of my clients with eating disorders and myself included when I, you know, was struggling, have a very strong inner critic. Um, very strong. And I'd be lying if I said I still don't have that inner critic. These parts of us don't die. However, we kind of learn to shift them more into more appropriate adaptive role. So if our inner critic is bugging us all day long, like it's going to be hard to, to get through your day, right? Like it's just like having a bully on your shoulder all day long. Maybe that inner critic has protected us from things in the past, you know, from maybe making mistakes. Maybe it wasn't safe to make mistakes in childhood. But, you know, recovery is learning how to put that inner critic kind of on the back burner and move our wisest self forward. So one exercise I want you guys to do, you can, you can do it with me right now. It's a way to kind of tap into that wise part of you. Just take a deep breath, first of all. A lot of times we just walk around with so much tension in our body without even knowing it. So just take a deep breath wherever you are right now. 
And just kind of notice what you feel in your body. Notice if anything's coming up for you, any tension release, any aches or pains. Just notice what that feels like without judgment. One more deep breath. And I want to invite you to, if it's safe for you, close your eyes and just imagine yourself as an elder. Where are you? What are you doing? <clears throat> what do you look like? How do you feel? And what I mean by elder is an older version of yourself, right? Like maybe the oldest version of yourself. Just imagine what he, she, or they would, would be like. So I'm imagining myself with gray hair, wrinkles, um, just sitting on like a porch in the woods, in a cabin. That's where my heart longs for. Just sitting there with my coffee, my dogs, my partner. Just calm and peaceful and kind of grounded, really. Suddenly, all like the worldly stuff that we're so focused on doesn't seem to matter as much anymore. You know, like appearance, um, achievements, income. Of course, some of those things we have to focus on, right? But in our eldest, wisest self, when we're near the end of our life, we're not, those things are technically not going to matter anymore. So imagine yourself there and imagine what your eldest self would tell you about how you're living your life today. What, what advice would they give you for whatever you're going through right now? What advice would they give you about recovery and where you're at on your recovery journey? What would they tell you really matters in the grand scheme of life. So really try to embody this eldest self because like I said, it's a part of us that's in all of us. And just imagine. And if you were able to complete this very short visualization, this is the beginning of reparenting. Like this shows you, you have it in you. And so, that eldest, wisest self is there, it's accessible. Sometimes in the, you know, the busyness and the rush of our everyday lives, this part of ourselves gets so disconnected. But if you can take you know, like a little five minute window of your day, just like we did right now, to come back to this part of you, if you started your day with that, imagine how different going through your day might be. Imagine the choices and recovery you might make that day if you were really connecting with your wisest self. And for every decision and choice point in the day, you get to create more mindful awareness of, okay, am I acting out of my wisest self? Am I acting out of a wounded child part? You know, and how can I reparent myself and soothe that inner child so I can be back at my wisest self? So some examples of what reparenting might look like for you outside of, you know, the visualization we just did. Some examples are setting boundaries and prioritizing your needs. Like I said, you know, 
learning how to reparent comes from a place of historically not prioritizing our needs. And so then later in life, we're asked to learn how to parent ourselves. It might look like telling your inner child all the things you wish your parents would have said. We can't unfortunately wait for our parents to magically become the parents we want them to be. No parent's perfect. Um, and, you know, it's just not realistic. Unfortunately, a lot of us get wrapped up in wanting to make amends. And while that's not a bad thing at all, like if your parent is emotionally available to you, then that might be a wonderful healing opportunity. But for a lot of folks, that's just not an opportunity. There's too much trauma. It's not safe. So we have to let go of that need to get that external validation from our parents and learn how to tell our own inner child coming from the place of our inner parent and wisest self, the things we needed to hear. Reparenting looks like offering yourself self-compassion for mistakes instead of beating yourself up. Telling your inner child you're there for them and you're not going to leave. Whenever I get into kind of an anxious flurry, one of the first things I do is I put my hand on my heart and take a deep breath and and tell my inner child, we're safe. It's, I'm going to take care of you. I'm not going to leave you. And I know it might sound a little silly if you're not used to doing this kind of work, but you'll know exactly what to tell your inner child the more you connect with your inner parent and wise self. Reparenting also looks like validating your emotions without judgment. So let's say you wake up kind of sad. Okay, we're sad today. What would you do for a sad child? Probably wouldn't judge it and tell it to just be happy, right? Probably sit with it. Him, her, they, not it. Sit with the child, listen to the child, right? You wouldn't try to change their emotion. You might just give them a big hug. Reparenting also looks like learning how to tolerate uncomfortable emotions without using harmful coping mechanisms. Just like you would for a child, right? You wouldn't tell a child, you know, to go engage in some kind of self-harm, whether that's substance abuse or cutting or restricting or binging or purging, right? You, you would help them tolerate that uncomfortable emotion. And you'd remind them that all emotions will pass and you would help them just soothe, right? So it's also making time for play and creativity and rest. Just like we would for a child, we would make sure they have outlets for all those things. We'd have scheduled nap times. We wouldn't wait until the child gets tired like we probably do for ourselves, right? We would create a, a nap schedule. And maybe that's not realistic for all of us every day, but I'm sure there's a 10-minute pocket where you, you can just kind of close your eyes and be with yourself, right? That's rest, too. Giving yourself rewards and encouragement. So when you notice you did a hard thing, really telling yourself, like, oh, you're awesome, you did that, you know, and being your own cheerleader. And then, of course... A huge part of reparenting in the recovery process is learning how to nourish yourself in ways that meet your energy needs, but also that really feed your soul, you know? And so 
for me that was connecting to cultural foods that I had pushed away because of my eating disorder or, you know, being in social settings with people you love and being able to enjoy the barbecue or the picnic and not be so focused on what the food is, right? Just being with your people. Those are ways that we nourish our soul and things that just really satisfy our taste, right? Sometimes you might just have a really yummy craving and the sooner you can honor that, in my opinion, is such an act of reparenting. It's kind of like if a child came up to you and said, Mom, I want, you know, a donut today. I really want this or I really want that. You'd probably make sure that you got that for them um, at some point, right? So these are just some examples of reparenting. You can come back to this visualization at any time to kind of ground yourself. And I just want you to think about what would reparenting look like for you? So think about that this week and what reparenting would look like in your recovery process, including food, but also all the other things we just talked about. What boundaries do you need? How do you need to start talking to yourself? Do you need play, rest, creativity? Do you need to give yourself more encouragement? So just honor whatever that is. And I hope you guys have a beautiful week. And I hope this was helpful and inspiring. If you're enjoying my podcast, please go leave me a review on Apple. The more reviews I get, the more the algorithm pushes the podcast out to people that would really benefit from these messages. And as you know, my mission is to get recovery education and insight to people that maybe can't access traditional forms of healing, right? Um, Not traditional, I'm sorry, (laughs) who can't access therapy, right? Therapy is so expensive. So this podcast is all about giving, of course, anyone that needs it, that information they need maybe to encourage them on their recovery journey. Especially for, you know, marginalized communities that a lot of people just cannot access care. So please go leave a review. Um, You can check out my online eating disorder recovery course via the Instagram link in my um, bio. Of course, I'm on Instagram at bodyjustice.therapist. You can find that self-paced online course where, you know, again, if you can't afford traditional therapy, you can take my online course and at least get tons of tools and information to fast track your recovery journey. So I hope you guys have a lovely rest of your day. Thank you.